Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money. I'm Satya Sontanam from Mint's personal finance team. In my previous podcast, we delved into what balanced advantage funds are, how they invest, top funds in the category, and who should invest in them. If you haven't checked it already, give it a try. It's one episode you need to listen to understand all about balanced advantage funds. In this episode, we talk about a similar category in the mutual fund space, which is multi-asset allocation funds. As per the SEBI categorization, these funds have to invest in at least three asset classes, and the minimum allocation for each asset class must be at least ten percent. Most funds in India have exposure to equity, debt, and gold asset classes in this category. They rebalance the exposure as per the market cycles, but are mostly tilted towards equity. What is the benefit of investing in a multi-asset allocation fund? And should you invest in them, and to what extent? We'll get answers to these questions from Arun Kumar, Vice President and Head of Research at Funds India. Let's invite him. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Arun, thank you so much for joining. It's always good to have you on the show. Hey, hi uh, Satya, great to be uh, back on the show. Let's talk about multi-asset allocation funds, Arun. It's not a very popular category as its sister category. which is the balanced advantage funds the total aem of this multi asset allocation category is about 30000 crore uh, cumulatively just want to start with why why is it not so popular yeah, so i i think the the starting point is that uh, see the ga- category is also kind of loosely defined it, it basically says you need to have a minimum of uh, 10% in in three asset classes which is equity debt and gold so so what this also means is that uh, so each and every fund house uh, has a lot of flexibility in how they decide to interpret it so some folks are very heavy on equity uh, some folks have kind of slightly lower on equity and and more on uh, i mean debt and gold so so the the problem uh, at least in my view is that it's it's a very loosely defined category and hence it's very difficult to say that the entire category to to look at the entire category as one bucket because within this category you will have to go fund by fund uh, in each and every amc and and try to figure out uh, what is the underlying base allocation and to add to the complexity uh, some of these funds are also dynamically managed so which means uh, your your allocations are also uh mood up or down based on uh, the whichever either they use a valuation model or some other uh, uh, parameter so which so so at level 1 i am not too clear or uh, on the starting uh, base allocation for the category so every fund i'll need to go and analyze what is the the base uh, long term uh, broad i mean what is the base uh, allocation towards equity debt and gold and two most of them are dynamically managed which means though even if i have a broad sense of the base then again the model on which uh, the, the the equity exposure kind of uh, keeps moving up and down that also i need to be aware and the third leg is finally on the underlying uh, uh, stock selection or debt fund uh, Uh, uh how are they uh, picking their securities it high on credit risk is it high on duration risk and what is the broad view on the gold that they are trying to play out so if you really put this all together for any normal investor 
uh, it becomes very difficult to wrap their heads around each and every fund how is it managed now these have is balanced advantage fund it's a fairly i mean they, again there are small differences but broadly if you look at it it's a equity heavy category where your most of them are allowed to move between 30 and 70 right now most of the funds would probably be around 40 50% in equity and let's say uh, if market valuations come down you can move up but but broadly the the way people perceive it is that it's a it's a mid category between debt and equity and mostly it's to do with equities up and down and the remaining is mostly into conservative debt so there's no a uh, third asset class of of gold coming into the picture so putting it together it's it's a fairly long established category there are there are veteran funds there so it's it's far more easier to to take a call at an aggregate level for the category because broadly most of the funds are uh, run on a very similar way so ideally it's 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 a dynamically managed uh, equity exposure kind of a category we have is here where Uh, as i told you there are three levels of complexity that you need to uh, so maybe i think that is the reason why it's not uh, picked up as expected sure let's talk about this multi asset allocation mutual funds uh, a little a bit later but uh, tell us why asset allocation is important and why is it, why it should be rebalanced or reviewed periodically if we start with a very simple premise that uh, let's let's take just the two simple asset classes which is one you have equity on on one side which can provide you with uh, higher returns over long run but again they come with the uh, with the problem statement that uh, in the near term it's anybody's guess like you might have uh, a period like covid where in two months uh, your entire equity exposure is down by 40% and and you will also find periods where probably following that the next one year you are almost up 100% so it's a very uh, volatile category where while it goes up it is super nice to be a part of that category but while it goes down it it is very very difficult for a lot of people to handle that so so net net that's the uh while long term it works good but the problem is more it's more like a keto diet right it, it's i mean maybe it works but can a lot of us uh, end up doing that kind of a diet is very very difficult so that's on one side on the other side you have debt mutual fund which are pretty much uh, an fd plus kind of a product where fairly stable uh, returns but again the, the the problem is that you mostly make inflation plus say 1% or half a percent to 1% post tax over a long period of time so again uh, while it is a far more smoother journey uh, you are you are obviously not able to beat inflation by a large uh, margin so which means net net your money is is more or less uh, being conservatively uh, protected but but it's 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 not practically multiplying or it's not increasing your spending power so you, so you have Uh, so you have good and bads of both the products so the overall idea of uh, asset allocation is is a very simple uh, fact that how can you kind of make equities palatable which give you higher returns over long run and kind of mix it up with uh, debt which is which gives you a far smoother journey in the in the shorter run but again the the catch is that your long term returns are uh, are lower so can we mix both of these together and make the the journey comfortable based on Uh, the investors preference so so that's the whole uh, starting point of uh, asset allocation but net net if you really look at it uh, over long periods of time the single question that will kind of uh, have a, a big determinant of your long term returns would be what is your overall equity exposure so generally if somebody is at 70% equity exposure these are with say 30% equity exposure 
mathematically the odds are that the 70% equity exposure uh, should should ideally do well over say 10 15 20 year periods so so which is why the asset allocation becomes the most important starting point now on the second level okay so once you decide your asset allocation that will have a, a very very large determinant of your long term return the second question obviously is that there are also times when equity markets become insanely expensive say 2008 uh starting was a was a very very expensive market and maybe in 2000 again uh, it it became very expensive so there are extremes and again you will see that 2008 bottom uh it it became very very uh, cheap and again you there will be periods where you, it markets also becomes insanely cheap so while 90% of the times equity markets are 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 neither too expensive nor too cheap you you will have those 5 10% periods where it goes on the extreme so then came the dynamic dynamic asset allocation strategy which essentially said can i can i uh, reduce my equity exposure and increase my equity exposure in these uh, extremes or and and how do i identify these extremes can i use a some some metrics like valuation or say momentum so these are these are uh, uh, the attempt is to Uh, make the original uh, uh, asset allocation strategy a little more uh, effective through these minor uh, uh, tweaks on the asset allocation so this was a second level and the third level obviously would be to uh, make returns through uh, stock selection within equity funds and 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 uh, uh, on the debt side mostly you can obviously increase your return potential through taking credit risk or duration risk but but at least uh, from the multi asset allocation category front most of them keep it conservative so so the starting point is asset allocation is is the uh, biggest determinant and you can try to add some uh, uh, nuance to it or some enhancement to it through dynamically uh, uh, managing it but now in terms of how effective it is at least the global evidence is that it's very very difficult a lot of people have failed at least from an indian context it's it's still uh, the evidence is a little more better but but net net uh, tactical allocation or dynamic allocation is a very very uh, hard thing to pull off over the long uh, run so starting is asset allocation would be the the key uh, determinant of your uh, long term returns yeah that's a nice point asset allocation is the key determinant of your long term uh, returns of your portfolio now this multi asset allocation funds are trying to solve this problem of asset allocation do you recommend these funds for your investors at funds india arun and why so, so no we don't recommend it because uh, see the, the 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 approach for us is very simple because as i told you if you look at the global evidence uh, it's the the evidence is almost like it's it's against people who are attempting to reduce or increase equity exposure by a Uh, by a drastic margin J- trying to say that hey markets are currently uh, uh, very expensive or currently uh, they are very uh, cheap because what happens is while valuations work over long periods of time in the shorter run at least from a 3 to 5 year perspective they are not a great timing tool and this has been proven across uh, different markets right so fundamentally our belief is that it's it's better to keep it really simple and and uh, uh, the investor can obviously decide on what is the uh, uh, split between equity and debt and probably if required they can add some 10 15% into gold but broadly the idea is equity will give you higher returns but with uh, with, with far higher probability of short term declines and debt will be more stable so that it makes that whole journey palatable now the trade off will finally depend on what is your what are you giving up on a 10 15 year basis 
and for what are you willing to uh, uh, the pain that you are willing to put up in the short run so at 70% equity obviously you will have far more pain than a 30% equity uh, 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 investor but again in the, in the longer run you will get uh, rewarded right so our starting point is you stick to asset allocation and and just uh, rebalance it every year for a 5% deviation and uh, and and our sense is that this this in itself if you can only do this it works perfectly well but we maybe add one more layer saying that at very very extremes we might want to slightly reduce equity exposure and slightly increase equity exposure so the keyword is slightly because again we can always be wrong uh, and and the evidence is, is against us so that's that's the small nuance that we that we do at our end so the reason why we we are not too big fans of the multi asset category is that because it's essentially trying to do everything you put i mean like i am trusting a single fund to uh do the asset allocation on top of it they will keep moving uh, uh, uh i mean moving the equity exposure based on their uh, valuation parameter on top of it they have global uh, exposure some of the funds have global exposure they have to uh, do something on the gold and then again i'll have to monitor uh, their debt funds and 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 for all practical reasons generally people tend to at least go for four or five funds because it gives them far more comfort so if i put five multi asset funds together let's say one fund is is overweight equity the other one is underweight equity now you can generally see a, a category like balance advantage fund you will find that the equity allocations are all over the place so which means uh, within fund houses also there is no agreement as to when markets are uh, really cheap or when markets are really expensive so so our problem was if we put as it as a category and and bring in three or four funds then again within that the 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 calls can be completely deviant so which means at an aggregate level i will end up having a very confusing portfolio so which is why from while 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 theoretically it sounds uh, great provided the entire money is given to a particular fund house and you exactly know what they are doing here the problem is once you combine uh, three or four funds together uh, you are very confused because every fund house is doing uh, 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 has a different a way to approach this whole how to do uh, uh, multi asset allocation so so which is why from a, from a practical standpoint we find it very difficult to uh, 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 use this category so so theoretically works well but practically uh, for us it's very difficult to place it uh, and and build a, a decent client portfolio and uh, i think arun uh, investing just 4 to 5% or 10% or maybe 15% 20% of your portfolio into multi asset allocation funds doesn't bring any value to your overall portfolio right you either have to invest completely or significant amount of your portfolio into multi asset allocation fund which will take care of you know periodical rebalancing and of course as an investor if you don't want to rebalance by yourself you can invest in multi asset allocation fund which you think does a good job and maybe the rest of the portfolio amount you can actually use it as a satellite portfolio where you can take bets and uh, you know try to increase the overall return of your portfolio but just investing 5 to 10% of your portfolio will not add any meaningful uh, value to your own, to your return in the long run right yeah that is precisely the point because uh, uh, i mean uh, the idea is simple right as i told like finally you have to get the asset allocation right so at a client level if you have 100 rupees and i have to decide say 70 rupees goes into equity and 30 rupees goes into debt the, i mean all of us are clear that hey uh, 
broadly it'll always be close to 70 and i can rebalance my portfolio uh, and and like at extremes maybe i might want to bring it down by say 10 20% and at uh, if it becomes cheap i might want to increase by 10 20% but but yeah you can always specify the boundary conditions and you can also say hey i don't want to do that just keep rebalancing which is very very good right now now the problem is if i bring in a multi asset uh, allocation fund and let's say somebody say hey asset allocation works let me put 10 rupees into that now i will either position it within my equity portion or my debt portion based on how aggressive that fund is but again it it is because i already have running i am already running a 70% equity so within that this asset allocation fund is also moving uh, it has some bit of goal so out of 10 rupees it, it really doesn't move the needle right so so either you put the entire 100 into one asset uh, one multi asset fund which i don't think anybody any a large client would do and two like even if you spread it across four or five funds as i told earlier It, all those five funds might have completely different interpretation of the market so which means that you are almost lost at a portfolio level so so the so as you told like small amounts really uh, uh don't make too much of a difference but one area where i am seeing a, a good use case kind of slowly emerge is probably as a debt plus kind of an alternative so let's say i have 30 rupees in debt somebody might say hey that 10 rupees can you make it a lot more slightly more aggressive where you get a debt heavy portfolio but with say gold and some equity which is getting dynamically managed uh baf can also be a good uh, uh positioning there or maybe multi asset funds uh, if if there is any specific uh, particular fund which can which can do this and the client says hey over 3 year periods i want a slightly uh, better return over debt but but obviously i don't need it to be as high as uh, equity so these are small pockets where you can Uh, try to fit in your multi asset funds but but i think at a 100 rupees level it it becomes very difficult understand and uh, but the problem with uh, periodically rebalancing is there could be a tax implication on uh, trimming from one asset class and investing in another asset class how do you go about rebalancing your client's portfolio at funds india Yeah, so usually we have a five percent band, so which means most, and it is done only once a year. So it is not that you will keep doing it every three months or every six. Because we, when we, uh, this is there is also global evidence. There's there's an interesting paper by Vanguard which asks which is the uh, which is the best frequency to rebalance. Broadly, they have seen that three months, six months, or or one year really doesn't make uh, too much of a difference. And we have also run the numbers for the last twenty years. We we've seen barely any uh, major difference. So broadly. we do it only on a one year basis and again it's not that if you are at 70% equity 30% debt and your equity becomes 72% equity and say 30 uh, sorry 28% debt it's not like you will immediately take off the 2% we give some more uh, leeway there in terms of plus or minus 5% now usually you you see that uh, it generally Uh, you don't uh, you don't need to rebalance every year because usually it is between this band unless and until there is one particular asset class which has uh, done extremely well on one end or or extremely poor mostly it will be equity and and in those cases you have always found that uh, let's say if equities are are drastically down then not automatically the allocation might come uh, uh, i mean might come down but that's the whole idea right then you are actually moving money from debt into equity at lower level so while there might be some small taxation impact still you will end up with better returns and again if equities have done insanely well you are also uh, uh, pushing some money from equity into debt and thereby keeping your original 
uh, volatility profile of your of your uh, uh, entire portfolio at a at a level which the client was already comfortable so so what we have seen is from a practical standpoint if you create uh, some leeway of say plus or minus 5% or if you say that even that uh, we, we, we you can you can obviously increase it to plus or minus 7% if you want the rebalancing to be far more uh, lesser but we have seen that plus or minus 5% works really well and more often than not uh, it's not that every year it comes it will broadly come once every uh, two or three years and only in extreme cases you might be needed to uh, act immediately and those are very uh, 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 rare like a 20% uh, fall or more is generally where we might try to become a little more proactive but that's like one we had in 2020 uh, before that it was only in 2011 and before that it was 2008 so so these are very very low uh, frequency items so I think uh, from a practical standpoint keeping a, a buffer of plus or minus 5% works really well and 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 even if there is a small tax impact whenever you do the rebalancing it's more than compensated for the uh, uh, impact and returns that you get by uh, doing the rebalancing sure sure and also the clients can or the investors can choose to invest more money if they have enough cash flows they can also choose to invest more money to adjust the portfolio instead of actually trimming and investing in another result. Yes, yes. So that option is also there, which can obviously uh, uh, help to uh, avoid the taxation. So yeah, as, as you told, all clients will have uh, some cash flow, which is kind of uh, uh, coming in regularly, at least most clients, unless and until they're retired. So that can also be one more uh, way to kind of, you know, keep your, uh, 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 I mean, keep your asset allocation close to the original uh, band that you want. Sure. Uh, Arun, uh, shall we also touch upon uh, each uh, fund, maybe at the top funds in this category uh, in terms of size, on how exactly they go investing, uh, their investment strategy, etc. Uh, maybe we'll start with ICICI. ICICI approves multi-asset allocation fund. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so ICICI, see, uh, broadly this category uh, came, uh, I mean, in its true uh, format came only after 2018, uh, where uh, SEBI came up with clear definitions for each of these categories. So earlier it was, uh, ICICI, it, it already had this fund in a, in a very different uh, format, where it was pretty much an equity fund. And 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 within that equity fund, it would, it would try to do, uh, it was an equity heavy fund, it was almost like an equity fund, but maybe there would be around 10-20% kind of a uh, uh, debt allocation. So, so, so if you look at the past track record, you might also need to consider that uh, into your your uh, evaluation. That whatever came before 2018 was a slightly different strategy. Right now, again, they've they've added 10% uh, plus into into gold, obviously because the category requires. They might also play some REITs and and all that as as things evolve. But again, it's a it's a slightly uh, equity heavy. Uh, multi-asset fund so so and 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 the it mostly would probably revolve around that 50 60 70 uh, percent kind of a, a band more often than not uh, again technically it is free to uh, reduce it uh, lower than that but ideally you can think about it like a 50 percent 50 60 percent kind of a equity heavy uh, product and the remaining which gets uh, split between uh, debt and uh, gold. So, so the track record would mostly be relevant from 2018. But again, the size is also because of the fact that it was already a very well-established uh, popular equity fund. So a lot of the size 
is is also due to the fact that uh, the the a, la- a large part of the aem was garnered in its uh, previous avatar Uh, again, uh, iPro has an entire bouquet of asset allocation products. This will be more aggressive than their uh, ICICI Prudential Balanced Advantage Fund. This uh, within their, I think, uh, the the asset allocation basket. This might probably be uh, slightly on the higher uh, uh, equity exposure side. So, so from a risk profile point of view, this will be slightly on the uh, higher side. So, so again, uh, as I told, like uh, all funds will have different uh, ways to do it, and it's not. 100% clear in terms of uh, is it it's, it's not a static allocation so so for all that we know they can also reduce their equity exposure uh, if 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 required so so which is the the catch with this category but again it's a uh, most of the aum is because of the past uh, uh, legacy and and so you will you will still need to wait some more time to figure out uh, how this actually works understand It's uh, very true that uh, a lot of its AEM was garnered in its previous avatar because if you see the next uh, big fund, which is HDFC, uh, which completed five years, it has just one thousand seven thirty-five, and ICICI has seventeen thousand, so ten times uh, more than the next best uh, fund in terms of uh, size. So let's talk about HDFC. Uh, any thoughts on HDFC multi-asset uh, fund, Arun? Yeah, again, uh, 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 recent. I mean, it, it doesn't have a long track record. It was recently kind of. Uh, uh, it was recently launched. So, so the broad construct is very similar. That you you kind of uh, spread it across uh, domestic, global equities and uh, uh, debt and gold. And again, uh, different AMCs will have different uh, algorithms to kind of uh, adjust their equity exposure. Uh, but but. Uh, as, so so again the 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 broad view would be that the original stance that like i am i am personally not a big fan of this category but the small nuance that you might want to uh, probably add to your evaluation is that historically if you if um, uh, uh, the the uh, i mean hdfc as a house has mostly been equity heavy so they have not uh, been too aggressive on the dynamic asset allocation category if you look historically look at uh, the way their uh even baf was also a very recent uh, uh product for them while it while obviously it it, it came from a legacy uh, agri- i mean it came from a legacy 70% equity 30% kind of a fund uh they have not been too active in terms of dynamically moving their equity like say some 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 other uh fund houses like icici in terms of what they do in their baf so mostly they have been a uh, 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 equity heavy a uh, kind of an amc and and right now i think they are building uh, a, a lot more uh, aggression in terms of uh, how far the tactical allocations move but but again like in terms of do we have a clear track record on how these tactical allocations have played over a 10 year time frame uh, that might not be something that you will uh, you you will you will find in this particular fund so so you will broadly have to go with the a uh, backdisted model uh, so and most of their other funds are also the the movements have have predominantly been there only in the last uh, two or three years so in that sense it's a, the the models are are yet to be tested over uh, longer uh, time frames but again from in with respect to all the other aspects in terms of how uh, uh, strong their equity uh, processes or their debt process all of that is 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 a proven uh, uh, thing so so everything is 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 great the only uh, thing that you might want to be a little more aware of is 
uh, how do these underlying uh, valuation models uh, work and how are these actually dynamically uh, managed over uh, long periods of the track record is still uh, uh, not uh, unfortunately it's, it's not there at this juncture understand uh, one of the funds with longer track record in this category is axis uh, uh, multi asset allocation fund which is called a triple advantage fund if i'm not wrong uh, earlier so any thoughts on this yeah yeah so so le- the legacy was that it is fairly it was a, a very simple uh, product where it was supposed to be one third equity one third debt and one third gold so the idea was it was more positioned as a starter product where somebody who has zero clue on uh, uh, how to start investing the pitch would be that hey uh, you will get exposure to all three asset classes you just start off with a base portfolio and then once you start getting more comfort you can eventually move to other products and kind of build your uh, portfolio but it was a it was a fairly straightforward uh, uh, product where you there was no confusion in terms of uh, what the underlying asset allocation would be now i'm really not too sure in terms of uh, is it getting dynamically managed or not but but the starting uh, point of this product was that it was a it was a fairly straightforward uh, product which had a static uh, equal exposure to all these uh, three asset classes again it has a a, a long uh, track record but again uh, the reason why uh, it didn't work out well was gold went through a long phase where it didn't perform so if you really look at it from 2012 to 2019 gold was almost like it was just not moving so when you have one third of your portfolio which is not which is but under but in rupee terms it was fine no i don't sorry to no even in rupee terms it was kind of flat so if you look at all the debt uh, gold funds so from 2008 till 12 it had a, a bumper run but from 12 to almost that 19 beginning you it, it barely uh, moved you had one two years where it moved but but again the overall phase between 12 to 19 you hardly saw any returns the, the actual kicker uh, again started to come post the the 1920 kind of a phase so right now if you look at 3 4 years it's, it's it's good and 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 mostly the last 2 3 years is is kind of uh, pulling up the returns of of longer run but if you go back to 2019 and see so this might also maybe have had an impact on the on the fund because it was running a almost one third into gold right so 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 that is something that but but again you know if that should have played uh, out positively at the current juncture so right now unfortunately i'm not too uh, sure on uh, are they still uh, uh, keeping it static or uh, uh, have they also started to manage it dynamically sure there's one uh, fund quant multi asset allocation fund i think this quant funds uh, you know are really Uh, we don't know what exactly is happening in the background, but they actually perform really well. Uh, so even in this category, multi-asset allocation funds perform really, really well. Uh, any thoughts on that? At least on the five-year uh, return basis, it performed well. So, yeah. So, so, uh, so broadly, the 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 rule that we uh, have uh, at least at at Funds India is that uh, if you don't understand how a product kind of uh, works i mean sometimes it might be our fault that we are not able to uh, really understand the underlying strategy we generally uh, uh, tend to avoid that product irrespective of how good the returns are because if you really look at any uh, uh, equity product or any product every product will have its good times and its bad times so if you only 
look at the good times it's it's a lot easier to invest but but then we know for sure that maybe in the next 5 years 10 years all products like historically there's not a single product uh, where you have you've had only good times so the problem comes in during bad times where uh uh you do if you don't understand the strategy on on because anyway the performance is not going to be there so on on so most likely we will panic and we will exit out of the fund and we might we might exit late and we might miss the uh the, that whole recovery that happens so what the 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 issue for us is that because the churn is very very high for this particular uh, fund house it's very difficult to take a view on what is the underlying strategy i mean obviously they have a uh, uh, sophisticated uh, uh, quantitative uh, 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 strategies that they are applying and again once you have a very large uh, churn based strategy the issue and usually you you see momentum funds also have the the large uh, churn but the problem comes in the fact that at smaller uh, sizes it's a lot more easier to uh, uh, do these high churn strategies but once you start becoming larger you will find that it's very difficult to implement these strategies so generally if you look at all large sized funds they'll start reducing their churn and you will find that uh, even even for funds which which earlier also did not have too much of a churn right so you will generally see that the churn levels kind of start to reduce once the size becomes larger and larger now so so for us the the the, the issue was one how will they uh manage this churn at a larger size because obviously once you perform well you will also start attracting a lot of aem that was one and two is to be honest we uh, uh if tomorrow let's say next 3 years uh any of their strategies underperform and then you ask me saying is is there something going wrong with the strategy or is it a, a, a part of the normal cycle where all strategies go through their bad times how will we be able to differentiate between both uh we don't know so unless and until we have a clear understanding or answer for that uh we i mean so we wouldn't be able to uh, 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 uh i mean uh, get fully convinced on 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 this on this product so while the performance has obviously been uh, great there's no doubt about it it's just that like we uh, honestly don't understand this and we don't think if if this performance goes away for some temporary phase Uh, we won't be able to uh, have the conviction to stick to the product for the usual two-year, three-year underperformance that everybody goes through. Because, like, what if this is there is something genuinely going wrong, and then we keep staying saying that hey, at some point in time it did well, so it obviously should do well. And and what if it prolongs? So that because we are not able to differentiate between uh, uh, the two things which I told, which is like whether it is genuine underperformance or. uh due to something going wrong or is it is it just the cyclical underperformance that happens to all strategies so this is why we kind of are still in that uh, uh, we are trying to figuring out uh, stage sure sure that's all from my side arun thank you so much for explaining about this category uh, it's really good to know and uh, thank, yeah, thank you, you thank you so much, thank you thank you so much thank you thank you yeah. bye bye take care that's all for now in this episode listeners If you have any queries or suggestions you can reach out to me on Twitter my handle is @satyasontanam s a t y a s o n t a n a m or you can also write to us at mintmoney@livemint.com bye bye this 
This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.